ready to dive in? We are going to dive in. This is going to be a lot more fun if you guys talk back to me. So uh, we're going to be diving into 1 Corinthians 13, which all of us, most of us know is potentially the, uh, you know, the affectionate passage that's used in weddings. Um, however, that is not necessarily its only application. In fact, the word love here is actually the word agape. And agape is actually not the kind of lovey-dovey feeling, romantic love that we often use in our English language, um, but it is actually a self-sacrificing love. And this same self-sacrificing love is the same love that, that, that motivated Jesus to go to the cross for you and I. And the good news is that because he did that, we can come into loving relationship with Jesus. And in like manner, just like he did, he empowers us to love in the same way. And so today's message, I've actually titled A Love That Last, because we're going to be talking about some characteristics, three characteristics, in fact, of this agape love from 1 uh, Corinthians. And then we're also going to be talking about hindrances. So in each of these characteristics, I want to unpack a few hindrances and how we can actually fight for love in, with the Word of God, because we know that the Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. And that is how we fight our battles, not with a literal sword, but with the Word of God. And so it's going to take a lot of work. Are you ready? Okay, so uh, before, before we dive into the, the passage, this week it was fun. I actually got to, uh, my, my son is into Legos and he's building Thor. And um, for any of you who love Legos and following all the steps, God bless you. Because it is very challenging for me, and Jeremy for that matter. So our son gets to this place where he is just frustrated because he comes to me with the instruction. He's like, Mom, these instructions are wrong. He's like, there is no way this is going to work. And he is so mad. And so once I actually calmed him down and I sat down, and I'm going to be really honest in this moment and tell you that I wasn't excited to do that, and I was not very patient, and I was not very loving. I was more like, ah, i got to stop what I'm doing and come over here. And all the moms said, all the time, right? And so um, before you have this beautiful painted view, oh, she's just the perfect, patient little mother. No, 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 far from it. And so I had this moment and I sat down and I, what I realized is that my son actually was doing things out of order. And he was trying to do step 16 before he did step one. And so what he was doing is that it was getting confusing and it was getting frustrating. And I thought, man, what a beautiful parallel to what it's like to be in relationships, <laughs> right? When we get things out of order, it gets messed up. And we oftentimes get frustrated. We end up throwing in the towel because it doesn't look anything like the front of the box, right? This beautiful picture of what we imagined. And for today's context, you can put any relationship in this context, family relationships, friendships, um, you know, work relationships, whatever relationship you have in mind for this message, spousal relationships, definitely. Um, but as you look at all of those, you can really put it into context that we have to learn how to do it God's way if we're going to live long-lasting relationships. And can I get an amen? All right, let's pray before we dive in. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is sharper than a two-edged sword. I thank you that it is, um, your word is life. And I thank you that your word brings life. And I know, God, that without you, it is impossible to love like this. But with you, all things are possible. And we can experience the fullness that you had in mind for meaningful interpersonal relationships. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. 
we are going to actually start in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 7, if you're reading on the screens, or I would encourage you to pull out your Bible, your, your phone, because I read really fast, so you're going to want to read these words yourself. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and I give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Are you tired yet? It's a tall order, right? <laughs> so we have to learn how to do this God's way. I'm so excited about. In fact, we know that John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish. And it is the only way to love like this. Aren't you glad? So the context for 1 Corinthians 13, Paul is actually, he had actually planted the church in Corinth, but he was, he was out doing other things on his missionary journey, journeys. And he was writing letters back to the, the, the church there in Corinth. We know it was a, it's a very immoral place. And they had kind of gotten away from the ways of love, away from the gospel, this core John 3, 16. They had kind of moved away. And so he, in, in this particular context, he's actually addressing, hey, I, I don't care if you can hit all the religious boxes. I, I don't care if you have all these amazing gifts. If you don't love, you have missed the point, right? And so as all of us, he is saying, hey, church, let's get back on the, on the same page, right? And so that's what he's doing as he is talking to the Corinthian church. In fact, agape love, as I alluded to before, is so different from what we typically know in our English language, right? We, we typically think of kind of an eros love, a feeling of love, a phileo love, which is kind of more of this like feeling. And so when the feeling goes away, the relationships go away. But that is not what we are talking about here in this chapter at all. In fact, agape love is actually used 115 times in the New Testament. How many know, when something is mentioned that many times, it is definitely a place we should lean into our Bibles because it is really important for the rest of what we're gonna read. And so when we choose to live like this, what it does is when we, when we love like this, it is actually the fulfilling kind, the kind that outlasts the phileo and the, the feelings and the fleeting feelings of love. And it is the love that kept Jesus hanging on a cross for you and me. And he's saying, hey, in like manner, I've empowered you with my Holy Spirit to do the same thing with one another. Aren't you glad we have a helper? <laughs> we cannot, I don't know about you, but I cannot do that list by myself, right? And that is, that is not the way. We're not to just go out and try to love like this. He's saying, I have an order to things. I have an order to things. And so if we're going to live meaningful, lasting relationships, it is going to take patience, which is point number one for all of you taking notes and those of you not taking notes. Point number one is it will require patience, Oxford Dictionary actually defines patience as the capability to accept, tolerate, delay, or suffering without getting angry and upset. The Bible actually calls it long-suffering, which is an ability to exhibit internal and external control in difficult circumstances. You know, patience, right? The patience we love. We all love patience. 
In fact, Eugene Peterson, a biblical scholar and theologian who we quote quite a bit, um, he says, patience is long obedience in the same direction over time. And one of the, my most favorite quotes about patience that he said, he says, and yet I decide every day to set aside what I do best and attempt to do what I do clumsily. Open myself to the frustrations and the failures of loving. Daring to believe that failure in love is better than succeeding in pride. In fact, John Orthberg and um, Richard Foster, Jeremy and I quote them a lot, and they're spiritual formation authors and theologians. And he describes it this way, the characteristic of patience is a spiritual discipline of slowing down which is defined as cultivating patient by deliberately choosing to place ourselves in positions where we have to wait. Don't you love to wait? Don't you do that naturally? I know I do. No, I do not, actually. Um, in fact, my daughter, uh, I don't know about you, but if you um, have raised kids or helped with kids or anything, getting them out on time for school is like a miracle. And so every morning you think, man, we're running the same play. There'll be no surprises. There are surprises every single morning. In fact, the pace kind of like sometimes they're really on time, sometimes they're really late, and it's just all over the place, so it's hard to predict. And, um, you know, I try to tell my, my kids, I try not to scare them, but I'm like, hey, guys, you have to get to school on time. They're going to come, come after your mother if you don't, right? I'm doing anything I can to get them on to school on time. And... My daughter, she takes a really long time tying her shoes and like just, she just needs lots of time. And this particular morning, I'm going to be just totally honest with you all, I was trying really hard, but my patience was wearing thin, like really thin, like the thin like a mother and father's patience can run thin. And she looks at me and she goes, mom, you are not being very patient with me. And I thought to myself, you have no idea how patient I am actually being with you right now. And you have no idea how kind I'm choosing to be in this moment because what I really wanna do is pick you up and put you in the car, but you're too heavy, right? And so in this moment though, the, the, the Holy Spirit, the way that only he can do, kinda just quickened me a little bit. And he's like, and, and honestly, what I, what, I, what I felt in my spirit was like, you know what, you're right, even though partially, it was a situation in which she should have been ready. There was still this like, all right, Christina, you didn't extend grace in that moment. And it, wasn't a, it was not a loving course correction. And I felt the Holy Spirit like, you need to apologize. And so that all day, I, I prayed about it. And on the way um, to pick up my, my daughter, when I picked her up, the first thing I said was, Hannah, I'm really sorry the way that I made you feel this morning. And she goes, what are you talking about? right? So the good news, parents, is we can mess up a lot and they totally forget. So, um, but here's the truth. Uh, Pete Scazzaro, the author of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, says, love is slower than I am. And it's the truth. It's really hard to love well when we're always in a hurry and living in the DMV and, and packing our schedules so tight makes it really ripe for being sharp with one another. In fact, um, you know, I, I would ask yourself, like, when was the last time you purposefully put yourself in a position where you had to wait? Most of us would say, we don't. You know, when is the last time that you got frustrated over someone not meeting your expectations on time, right? Whether it's your family or colleagues or been short or assumed, um, you know, that they were doing it on purpose even, it was the last time that you, uh, you got angry with your roommate because they, they didn't live up to what you thought 
that they were supposed to do, or your spouse, these, un- these unrealistic and unspoken expectations, and you get impatient with one another. We've all experienced it. And what I have found is that two, there are two big hindrances to being patient and developing this fruit in our lives. And the first is a desire for perfection in ourselves. We, we tend to love being perfect. And maybe that's not for everyone in the room, but I have a, a suspect, you know, I, I suspect that many of those of us who live in the DMV area and are used to kind of, hey, you want your schedule to work just as you want it. You don't want interruptions. You want to, you know, move from point A to point B. Um, oftentimes can be really hard on our own selves. And so I have found this to be a hindrance of developing patience with others when we're not patient with ourselves. And one of the things, and, and what it, it manifests itself in getting frustrated, right? Frustrated with yourself, and then it spills out on other people. In fact, Romans 3.10 says, no one is righteous, not even one. And I will tell you, this, the, using God's word to renew your mind around your expectations of yourselves is a key to being able to renew your mind and develop this, this fruit of patience in our lives. The second is spiritual amnesia, or what I'm gonna call forgetfulness. Uh, we often have to remind ourselves how many times God has been patient with us. Right? Can you think of how many times God has been unkind or harsh with you when you didn't hurry up? Right? When you when you when it took you took a long time just to trust him, right? In certain areas of your life. And so what I found for myself is it can be uh, really helpful to remind myself how good God has been to me, how patient and how kind he has been to me. Second, come on, thank you for that. Second Peter 3:9 says the Lord is not slow about his promises as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for anyone to perish, but for all to come to repentance. You know, as I ref- you know, referenced earlier, the importance of things really matters because if we are not patient with ourselves, there is no way we can be patient with others because what is in us comes out of us. And so when we're impatient and hurried on the inside, what happens is we're impatient and hurried with others in our lives. And uh, we have to learn to accept, number one, to be patient with ourselves and extend grace, but we also have to realize he is not mad at you. (laughs) Sometimes just that revelation is so helpful. God is not mad at you, and in fact, he could never love you more than in your mess. When we think that we, we've, we've not met our own expectations, God could never love us more. That is life transforming. When we can really grab hold of what that means, he'll never love us more. It's not our perfect record. We, by the way, the Bible reminds us no one is perfect but him, right? And so we can't expect that of ourselves or of others. In fact, um, <laughs> the, the spiritual amnesia, my kids it, all the time are like, Mom, uh, can I have this? Can I do this? Can I have some more ice cream? Mom, can I have, can I have more screen time? And, and the reality is oftentimes I'm having to say no because most of the time they've forgotten how good I've been to them. No, you just had ice cream. You may not have it another night in the row. You know, no, you just watched a movie. You don't need more iPad time, right? And in these moments, I have to remind my kids even like as they're, as they're saying, Mom, you're so mean. You never give me anything, you know, you've, you've, you've heard it. You've probably done it to your own parents at some point. And you realize like, man, that's annoying. I shouldn't have done that, you know, like, um, because it doesn't get you what you want. And, and the reality is like, we often are like that with God too. 
I have to remind my kids how good that Jeremy and I are to them. And as God's kids, we have to remind ourselves how good that God has been to us. He has been so good to us, church. You know, I'm reminded of the woman of this story. Um, she was, she poured her, she basically took perfume and she took it to the feet of Jesus while Jesus was eating with some Pharisees, the religious leaders. And she, pour, she breaks open this bottle of perfume, which is estimated to be uh, quite a bit, maybe a year's wages. And she washes Jesus's feet in humility with her hair. And the Pharisees are like angry about it. They're like, can you believe like this sinner, what you're letting her wash your feet? And what I love Jesus' response in Luke 7, 47, he says, therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. What he's telling these Pharisees in this moment is that you have forgotten, you don't yet realize how much I've forgiven you for. You don't yet realize this because if you did, you would understand the extent of her love and you would love me too like this. So he, they have forgotten and they, and worse yet, they haven't even seen how patient God has been and is being with them in this moment. So my challenge for you is what area of your life is God challenging you in a particular relationship even now, maybe the one that's on your mind as we're talking about this today, to, to grow more patience. Maybe it's a circumstance or a situation or, or a particular relationship that you are like, man, this is challenging. I want, you to, I want to tell you, it is in that place that God wants to grow this fruit of patience in real agape love so that you can go the distance. The same reason that Paul was employing to the Corinthians. He's like, I want you to go the distance, but you're gonna have to learn this agape love. It's the self-sacrificing kind of love. And it doesn't come without sacrifice. The second point is that if we're gonna do this and we're gonna, we're gonna build meaningful, lasting relationship, it's gonna require kindness going to require kindness. The Greek word kind here in the passage of 1 Corinthians 13 is actually translated to show mercy, tenderness, grace, and provide acts of good service towards one another. In fact, 1 Corinthians says kindness is not self-seeking or easily angered, and it's so countercultural. Church, you know, t today, um, you know, we, we might say like, okay, well, it, be kind if someone agrees with you. Be kind if they have the same political views as you. Be kind if this, but Jesus is saying, no, I'm telling you to be kind to those who are different than you. I'm telling you to be kind for those who have different political views than you. I'm telling you to be kind in all circumstances. In fact, I'm gonna take it another step further. Matthew 5, 43 through 45, he says, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be the children of, the fa of your Father in heaven. The context of this scripture, to say to love your enemies was like completely countercultural and taboo. It is today as well. Where Jesus is saying, hey, no, I'm, telling, I'm asking you to take it to another level and you're not gonna be able to do that unless you lean in to my strength in your life. It is through me that you're able to love this well. Two big of hindrances of kindness. So the two biggest hindrances I've found, I'm sure there's more, but for, for today, I'm gonna give you a lack of compassion and tenderness towards yourself. So again, if we are not patient with ourselves, 
kind with ourselves, then what's gonna happen is we're gonna be short and unkind with others. Not loving yourself can look like driving yourself beyond your limits of your, of your, your circumstance or your season, a relentless hurry that almost does violence to your soul. You know what I'm talking about. You've been there and you've done that. You've pushed beyond tiredness year after year, not realizing that you have not, you're not being kind to your own self, the limitations of your own body, of your own mind. Not loving yourself can look like entertaining the internal critic that says you're not good enough, you haven't done enough, you haven't achieved enough, and it continues to drive you from the inside out. Jesus says this, oh, God's word says this through the gospel of Mark 12, verse 30 and 31. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than this. I'm gonna go back to the order of things right? The order of things matter. If we want the picture that says, man, I I want loving, lasting, meaningful, fulfilling relationships in my life, then we're going to have to do it God's way. God's, he's laying out the order of agape love here. He's saying, love God with all you have, everything you have, love him well, and then love yourself, and then love others. We often get those steps mixed up, right? We're trying to love others, but we haven't actually given our whole heart to God, or we're trying to love others, but we're treating ourselves awful, right? We're not, we're not being kind to ourselves. And so what happens is, the, again, what's in us comes out. And we end up not being kind to others in our lives unintentionally. The second hindrance that I think it is to, to, to build, to, that works against building kindness is avoiding difficult people in our lives, right? We were like, yeah, oh, oh, I'm going to go the other way around the office, <laughs> I'm going to go the other way around the house, right? Because we're avoiding difficult circumstances and situations with people. In fact, many years ago, I worked as a client engagement director, and I was working with some executives. And, and, I'll, and honestly, I really enjoyed, I love people, so I enjoyed working with most of them. And there was one on my list that I'm going to be honest, when he came up on kind of my calendar to talk to, I was like, oh, Okay. Is, are you sure I can't just kick it another month? <laughs> because I didn't want to, you know, he was just a difficult person. And I had to like muster the courage and the energy to be kind to this individual because he was not kind. And he was often very critical and he wasn't warm at all. He was, it was like he just didn't want to, he didn't want to have friends. He reminded me of the Grinch. And, and, uh, and so I had the purpose in my heart in that season, God, I am going to choose kindness because I know this is your way. Your ways are higher than my ways, right? And, you know, the joke around the office was like, yeah, you're dealing with that guy, right? And I was like, no, I can't let that get in my heart. I have to, I have to, I have to posture myself differently. And I'm going to have to choose kindness even when he's unkind to me. So oftentimes, in order for kind, true kindness to be built in our lives, we have to put ourselves in circumstances where we are with unkind people. We were undeserving, but so we were undeserving of the love of God when he put his son Jesus on a cross for us. And therefore, in like manner, we'll have to do the same if we're going to really get this kindness thing. It's easy to be kind to people who are kind to you. It's much more difficult to be kind to those who are unkind to us. In fact, Colossians 3.23, I held on to this verse as I, as I would go visit this, this particular person. Whatever you do, 
Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. I wasn't doing it for him. I was doing it for God. And in doing so, I was hoping that maybe, just maybe, I would put some waters on seed in his life. Because the truth is, whether he was nice or not, or he was kind or not, he was made in God's image. Some people in your life, you are going to have to put on the eyes of faith and dig for the gold. <laughs> Some people, it's going to be a little harder to find the, the God image in them, but it is there. And as children of God, that is our goal. That is our job, is to find the gold and mine it out. Come on, church. I'm preaching better than you. Amen. All right. St. Francis of Assisi, I love this. He says, a single sunbeam is enough to drive away many shadows. We are called to be the sunbeams, the sunbeam of light, just a sliver of light in the lives of people. You may be the only Bible that somebody reads. You may be the only lamp in the room. Be a good one. Not out of your own strength. It's impossible. You'll get tired and exhausted. But if you do it in God and you get the order of things right, you love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, you love yourself well, you can go the distance and you can love others. So this is your call. Maybe it looks like treating your neighbor better than they treat you or letting them, go ahead, let them borrow that shovel. Go ahead and let them borrow that lawnmower. Let them borrow whatever they need. And even if they don't, even if they don't return it in the same, in your time frame, go ahead and show a little kindness. Show a little kindness. Be the neighbor that you want others to be to you. Choose a tender response with your spouse when they want to have an intimate conversation and you're exhausted. Right? Lend a listening ear. Do it without an attitude, ladies. <laughs> work kindly with a colleague who is difficult to work with. Volunteer when nobody wants to partner with that person. Be, be that person. See it as an opportunity, as a challenge, so that patience and kindness can grow in your heart. Assume the best in people when they're late for lunch or they're late for the meeting or maybe they didn't get that assignment done on time as an employer or a project done on time. How about, yes, you know, there are times you, you got to get stuff done on time, but at the same time in our hearts, assume the best. We have no idea what people are walking through, none. And we have an opportunity to shine a little light into their lives. Romans 2 uh, verses 3 and 4 reminds us that the kindness of God leads us to repentance. It is the kindness of God that brought you to the foot of Jesus. It's the kindness, and we often forget this. We have to remind ourselves. In fact, just the other, uh, just the other night, Jeremy and I took on a, a home project, and we're not home project people. Um, he's been very transparent with you about that, and I have not been as transparent, but I'm really not either if I'm, if I'm really honest with you, but you know, we're, we're growing, we're growing in this. And so we took on a project because our yard is full of weeds and like lots of weeds. And so we ended up having to like kill it all and put, you know, seeds down and go the long, laborious, slow route of growing grass. And it took a lot uh, to get it started. And so one evening it was taking longer than I thought to set up all of the, the hoses and the waters and everything. And it was my night to actually t do the kids and, you know, bathe them and feed them and read to them. And I came in exhausted, way off of track, right? We have to keep everybody on moving so we can get to bed on a school night. And I came in later than I, than I had anticipated. And to my surprise, my handsome hunk, hunk of man over here had 
fed the children, done the dishes, bathed them, read to them. I'm telling you, and thank you. And I was like, uh, yes. I was like, I feel so loved right now. I was like, in this season, love looks like acts of service and action, right? And it was so beautiful because I honestly felt like God gave me a big hug because it wasn't my turn, right? Technically, I should have stepped up to the plate and did it, and he just did it, and he didn't say a word about it. And I thought, man, thank you. Thank you, God, that you're that way with us all the time, all the time. Mother Teresa, a Nobel winning, uh, Prize winner, and uh, we, we affectionately know her as, as um, she was a nun who d- dedicated her life to taking care of the poorest of the poor in India. And she says this about patience. Not all of us can do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. Every work of love done with a full heart brings people closer to God. I am a little pencil in the hand of God who is sending a love letter to the world. We all have an opportunity to be that pencil in the hand of God. But it's not going to be these big, grandiose opportunities, and sometimes they might be. But they're actually the little ones that we overlook every day. They're the little ones to be kind in your home, to pick up some chores that aren't yours, or to think about someone taking them, you know, flowers or meals after a hard day. I mean, they're just like little things that we can do as the Holy Spirit prompts us. And let me tell you, uh, my husband always says this, and I love it, it's true. When you think of something good to do, that's probably not the devil. So go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it. Partner with the heart of God. You have no idea on the other side of that, that you're giving someone a hug. You don't know, like God's God's gonna hug them through you. And so we gotta take these opportunities, church, and be a light, be the sunbeam in our world. So how can you practice kindness towards yourself first this week and then towards others as God leads you? The third point and the last way from 1 Corinthians that we can, not the only one, but at least the last one we're gonna talk about today is that it will require humility. Require humility. Humility is really hard to wrap a definition around. There's much debate over it. However, when you see it, you know it. Right? You see, you can feel humility. Um, and it's actually described as a quality in which someone's exhibiting, setting aside their own self-interest for the sake of another. So C.S. Lewis says that humility is not thinking of yourself, not thinking of yourself. It's just not thinking of, or thinking of yourself less. Let me say that again. C.S. Lewis says that it is not not thinking of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. Right? So it's, it's exhibiting an honest, reality-based, you know, view of yourself and not thinking that you're better than others. 1 Corinthians 13 says it's not puffed up. It's not inflated. It doesn't dishonor others. It doesn't act uh, disgracefully towards others. And it keeps no record of wrong. I was a great scorekeeper in our first year of marriage. I kept lots of scorecards. And then I realized that I, if I keep, continue to keep score, I will win almost every time, but I will lose us. So I had to choose to hang up the scorecard because Jesus didn't keep a scorecard with me. And he still doesn't keep a scorecard with me. You know, I think um, Galatians 5.3 says, 
My brothers and sisters, you are called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Two of the biggest hindrances in humility is number one, insecurity. It's defined as a lack of confidence or feeling of a, a lack of protection. So a wall of pride goes up around us. And in some cases, some of us have had barricades. We've enclosed ourselves in walls of pride to keep others from seeing the real us. Insecurity is typically rooted in a fear of lack of some sort. And so we must choose to believe the way to kind of counter insecurity is making up your mind whose report are you going to believe? Are you going to allow God's truth to be the loudest voice in your life? Are you going to choose to trust him with the weak areas or the areas you feel insecure about? Because those insecurities will keep you from having meaningful, deep, loving relationships. It's like, the, it's like a repellent. It does the exact opposite. In fact, Psalms 34, 9 says, Fear the Lord, you holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. So whatever area you feel insecure in, and by the way, we all have them, you're going to have to do some hard work at renewing your mind and reminding yourself and convincing yourself with God's word that he knows you better than you know you and that he says you lack nothing. You lack nothing. And here's the good news. Where you're weak, he is strong. Win-win, <laughs> right? Win-win. Proverbs 3, 25, 27 says, don't, you don't need to fear him for the Lord is your confidence. God is your confidence and he'll keep you from harm. So whatever you're trying to protect yourself against, you gotta, you gotta let your guard down so that the Lord can be your confidence. He's your protector, not your wall of pride. Second period, uh, Peter 1, 3 says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his glory and his goodness. That means he's gonna give you everything you need. There's no need to hide. No more hiding. The second hindrance is what I'm gonna call a self-oriented approach to life, AKA selfishness. We all know it, because we've all been selfish at some point. And if you haven't, we gotta talk. So I'd love to meet you. Here's the reality, Jesus, our Lord, and we've preached, we've, we've talked about this, we've taught on this, that Jesus came to serve, not to be served. This was his posture. His posture was service. And he exhibited humility by laying down his life for us. And he, he said, this is the full extent of love, that you'd, lo you'd lay down your life one for another. Philippians 2.8 says, And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even on a cross. So Jesus modeled this for us. In fact, even psychologists today, so in, there's an article in Psychology Day by Dr. Melanie Greenberg. She says, one of the biggest ways to combat insecurity is like a hyper-deliberate focus on others to get you kind of out of that mindset of me, 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 which our culture perpetuates. It doesn't help us because it's like all about me. Um, but we know that's a dead end, and it will keep you from the very thing that you want, which is loving, lasting relationships. And we know that insecurity and self-centeredness are actually the same. They're basically two sides of the same coin, because it's really selfish to be insecure because 
You're making it all about you, making it all about us. And we all fall into it. And so these areas, we have to be able to just say, submit, submit all of it to Jesus. Again, getting back to the order of things. I'm gonna love the Lord the, my God with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength, all my I'm gonna submit my insecurity. I'm gonna submit my self-oriented, my tendency to be self-oriented. I'm gonna submit it to the Lordship of Jesus. That's why the order is so important. Because unless we do that, there is no way we can live out the other parts which is loving ourself well and loving others well. Matthew 20, 26 says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. Church, you were made for greatness. You bear the image of your father. You are powerful in God. But it's gonna come through clothing yourselves with humility. That is the way of true greatness. John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, but to lay down one's life for one's friends. How can you yield this week to someone in your life? How can you yield to a colleague? How can you yield to your spouse? How can you yield to your kids? Not all the time. They will not become good people if you do that. How can you yield this week? You know, when Jeremy and I first got married, um, we, there was a couple in our church, and they, were, um, they, were, they had been married probably 30, 35 years, and they were like the couple that you're like, okay, that's enough PDA. Like, they were like little lovebirds. And I was like, man, you guys act like you're honeymooners. Like, what is this about you? And Jeremy and I really wanted to know because we were like, hey, we didn't get in this to have a mediocre marriage. Like, we want... We want like what Jesus had in mind because marriage is gonna cost. You're gonna live out agape love, so we like want the real thing. And so we sat down and had coffee with them and they said, all right, you ready for this? Lean in, here's the secret. Out serve one another. As if you were each other's king and queen because you have a deep, you have a, a great respect for the position that they hold in this relationship. And so you need to outserve each other and love one another really well. And so we were inspired by that and we've been trying ever since to live that out with God's help and we fail epically sometimes. But we get back up and we try to outserve each other again and again and again and again. That was for some married couple in the room who's like, I'm done, nope get up and do it again and again and again and again with God's help. Above all, love each other deeply because it covers a multitude of sins. 1 Peter 4 and 8. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. Matthew 23, 12. I'm gonna ask you this week, during, during, just during, during the course of this message, I know the Holy Spirit's moving because every time we open God's word and we posture our hearts, he's guaranteed to show up. He longs for it. And so I believe that even this morning that he's put a relationship on your heart, whether that's maybe a friendship or a familiar relationship with a family member or a sibling or, 
or someone in your, in your life, a, merit, you know, a spousal relationship, and, and he's putting some, his finger on a few areas. And God puts his fingers on things not to condemn us, but to lovingly call us higher because he wants nothing more than for us to experience true love, the kind that's fulfilling. It's deep. We're, we're, we're made for it. We're made with a God-sized hole on the inside of us that only he can fill. And when he fills that well, he, he did it for relationship. And so in like, like manner, he wants us to be in relationship with one another in this agape love. But can I tell you from my experience, if the Lord is putting his finger on something in a particular relationship, I want you to take action like today. Because here's what I know. If you wait and you don't move while he's moving on you, and I just mean like maybe it's you writing a letter today or send, you know, making a phone call, um, it's quick obedience. And what you're going to find is as you take steps of quick obedience with those people that he puts on your heart this week, I have no doubt doubt in my mind, you will be transformed from the inside out, day after day, week after week, and you, you will begin to experience what God says is possible for all of us. It's a fulfilling, it's a fulfillment that only comes through him and the order of things. So how can you be less self-oriented this week? 